0: try to smuggle tarantulas in your pants and more travel treads from Heather. Swap the poop deck and fasten your life vest. It's time to hit the trail with the Gold Key Adventurer Society. It's a quiet, foggy night on the docks and I pull the lapels of my trench coat up to protect my neck from the cold, salty breeze blowing in off the water and my face from the curious glares of shady men doing shady business in shadowy corners. A figure appears at the top of the gangplank as I Approach the huge ship moored at the end of the dock. As I approach, I touch the brim of my fedora and say, "Hey Heather, how was your cruise?"
1: Another wonderful, relaxing cruise in the books. It was great. I love spending time on Disney Cruise Line.
0: Yeah, who doesn't? I know my wife sure did.
1: We had a wonderful time with your wife this week. It was great.
0: (laughs) I had a wonderful time seeing pictures of my wife having a wonderful time.
1: It was a wonderful four days. We had our annual conference for Key to the World Travel. We had about ninety six of our travel advisors along for the ride, and we learned some stuff, had some fun, ate a lot of great food, and it was it was a great trip. The weather was wonderful. We we missed any nasty tropical storms. We came. We were sailing after Dorian and right before this next disturbance that's coming through. So we kind of hit the sweet spot. It was great. Yeah, that
0: was perfect. We should say at the top of the show. Uh, jess isn't with us this week he had something he had to go take care of so heather and i are going to hold down the fort we're gonna try (laughs) we i think we've got this under control let's head right into the news and talk about some stuff that's going on in the theme parks first up from themeparkprofessor.com um, Disney just released last week more information about the ride vehicles for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind coming to Epcot in 2021.
1: I'm so excited about this roller coaster.
0: I know that giant giant building that's not hiding very well is no. just a big tease.
1: Painted <laughs> it go away blue, but you can still see. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> so, uh, you, the ride starts in the Galaxarium, planetarium-like exhibition that explores uh, the similarities between our galaxy and the galaxy of Xandar. And we're going to be invited to learn more about the treasures. Uh, and Then we get into these super cool-looking ride cars, and I'm sure in true Disney fashion, everything goes wrong.
1: Of course. I've heard a little bit about the cars. The one, Part of the cool new technology they're using is that the ride vehicles themselves are going to pivot so that you're always facing the action, which makes me think there's going to be some screens involved, and it looks like it's going to be a great ride. It's going to be the longest indoor roller coaster in the i think the united states if i remember right maybe yeah florida i I can't remember exactly i
0: think it was the u.s i don't want i don't want to go too far and say the world but
1: Well, it's going to be, it's, it's a massive, massive ride building. It's taking over everything that was Ellen's energy adventure. And they built that huge, giant blue box that's right behind right. it. So it's a massive ride.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, the energy adventure building is just basically the queue and pre show wow, area. That's what I've
1: heard. And that was yeah. a really big building.
0: Yes, yeah, it was not small. It was like a forty minute attraction in its own. So
1: that'll be nice for a place to escape the heat. Yeah. Even if you're just in line.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So there's not a lot of details about that ride yet, but the cars sure look cool.
1: <laughs> well, Guardian the Guardian's ride out at Disneyland is one of my favorite attractions anywhere. So I have high hopes for this one. At Walt Disney World.
0: Absolutely. On to uh, the other magic castle in Orlando over at Universal Orlando. Uh, Just this past weekend, the new uh, projection show on Hogwarts Castle opened up. Dark Arts at Hogwarts Castle Show features projection mapping on the castle, pyrotechnic effects and fog. Um, You get to see all kinds of nasty, scary creatures, including Thestrals, giant spiders, dementors, and trolls. The music is all new original, scored by John Williams.
1: That's so great for a projection show. That's some good yeah. attention to detail. I've seen some photos of it, but I haven't caught it in person yet. I missed it last week. I'm super excited to see it.
0: Yeah, it looks cool. Just seeing uh, that giant dark mark up in the sky. It's mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> pretty sky epic
1: of the castle. It's very cool.
0: See, I, it also says uh, in addition to the projections on the castle, the dark arts have taken over Hogsmeade. In other ways, at night, uh, Death Eaters are roaming the streets, which are now lit Spicky. in green and filled with fog. Uh, they'll be interacting with guests. I think it sounds kind of like the Scare Zone people. Yeah, and, for our uh, Halloween Horror Night. Yep. And they'll be performing magic around the streets of Hog, Hogsmeade.
1: That's going to be a great addition. I personally just experienced Halloween Horror Nights last, <laughs> last week for the first time, and it's... It- it's an experience, I have to tell you. it's the, the, the haunted houses are just incredible. The attention to detail on those sets for the, the haunted houses just for this event are out of this world. The Ghostbusters house was my favorite, I think, followed closely by Stranger Things and Us. They, we really felt like you were walking through the movie. It was amazing. The classic monster's house was terrifying. I think my heart stopped a few times in that one, but it's yeah. a great experience if, for Halloween fans and people who are really into haunted houses and being scared. I highly recommend Halloween Horror Nights, and that's that's cool that uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is kind of getting in on the Halloween season. I loved
0: it. Yeah, that's really cool, um, and I think that in a couple of weeks, once we get a little closer to spooky season, we're going to talk some more about spooky stuff. So, I love it. Uh, we'll dig more into this later. Um, one last story from the uh, theme park side of things. Let me find where I hit it. All right. So now this particular article I'm looking at is from time. Um, everybody got All the good feels uh, early last week from the story about uh, Jermaine Bell, the seven-year-old boy who took the money that he'd been saving up for a trip to Disney World. And he uh, donated it to help feed uh, evacuees from Hurricane Dorian. Disney went ahead and surprised him by giving him... a trip for himself and his family to go out and see the magic anyway
1: i saw that that was such a great story
0: so a group of disney employees and i'm sorry they're not employees this article is bad
1: (laughs) cast members
0: yeah get it right time um so a group of disney cast members including the main man mickey mouse himself uh, showed up outside his home in Florida and thanked him.
1: Okay, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, just, just to have Mickey show up. Just to have up. Mickey
1: Mouse show up at your house. That's a good day.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So he, they showed up and thanked him for his kindness and told him about his trip. Jermaine says, when I saw everything, I was just super happy. Mickey came out and I was just really happy.
1: So, that is so great. What a wonderful story.
0: Yeah. Sweet little boy, and I'm glad to see that he he gets rewarded for his kindness.
1: He got rewarded for doing something. That's cool. I love that. We had the chance at the end, near the end of our cruise this past week to visit Castaway Key. It was pretty exciting. We were the first ship that was able to dock at Castaway after Hurricane Dorian moved through. And we actually weren't sure up until, really up until... Midway through our cruise, um, we knew that they were working really hard to get the island back to, uh, a state where it could welcome guests. Luckily, they didn't see anywhere near the damage that, uh, the two islands that are very close to Castaway, Abaco and Grand Bahama, were really, really devastated by Dorian. Um, Castaway Key looked uh, pretty normal, actually, um... If you have been there before, you would have noticed that there were a lot of the beach chairs and umbrellas were not out, and there were piles and piles of sand all along all of the beaches. It kind of reminded me like a little, um, a little bit like the Lake Michigan sand dunes. They just had Uh big, great big piles of sand. Uh, because most of what castaway experienced was beach loss from the storm surge. So they lost a lot of the sand and um, they got the sand back onto the Island. And as soon as we were off from our day visit, we could see the earth movers going in and pushing the sand back. And oh, they yeah. had, yeah. Getting the beach. They didn't ready really for have. The next storm. Yeah. Ready for the next oh, Unfortunately, there's yeah. another storm coming right behind Dorian. Um, they had all of the beach chairs and umbrellas were lashed down over on Serenity Bay. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was where they had the most loss on the beach. Serenity Bay had some pretty serious erosion. There was about a a four-foot just drop-off. You walked out, and to get down to the beach, there was like a four-foot bank that they needed to fix. Um, just a, some mild, we saw, we noticed some... A couple of outbuildings that had some damage to the roofs, but they were fixing those. And um, some of the cabanas had some minor repair work that had to be mm-hmm. done. But all in all, Castaway Key really missed the the hard eyewall of the storm and, and was pretty much spared. Um, one of the cool things that we did get to witness was when we stopped... At Castaway, they were offloading relief supplies, just crate after crate after crate of bottled water and generators and building materials that uh, they offloaded at Castaway Key, and then they'll take uh, over to Abaco on boats. So that was was a really cool thing to see, all of the relief supplies. And that was our sailing, I think, was the third or fourth ship that had dropped stuff like that off.
0: Yeah, it's a mountain. I saw some pictures. There's a lot of so much stuff. And it's great.
1: Yeah, the um, Disney Cruise Line is really trying to support those islanders that, uh, that, su- that support them. Um, those are the people who come over and do all the excursions for Castaway Key, And um, it was it was sad not to see any of those tours running because, you know, we knew the reason why and if those people have had their homes destroyed. Um, uh, I did come across uh, an article uh, in Travel Weekly and saw another one on Lonely Planet that the Bahamas are really urging tourists to please continue to visit the sites that were not Affected by Dorian, which was really, I mean, the Bahamas stretches for hundreds of miles. It's so many yeah, islands. It's how
0: many? It's like over a hundred islands, isn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. And really, what was affected by Dorian was Grand Bahama and Abaco, um, Nassau. We docked in Nassau, and it looked completely normal. Nassau had absolutely no effects of the hurricane. Uh, so the uh, the tourism and aviation minister for the Bahamas is is encouraging people to continue to. To visit those places that were not affected because they really need the the tourism dollars to help rebuild. Grand Bahama Island and Great Abaco Island were the worst hit. And those are, of course, currently closed off as recovery efforts are going, uh, are underway. Um, A lot of the cruise industry is really helping Carnival Cruise Lines have been using their ships to bring refugees Mm -hmm. off of those two islands, take them to Nassau and a lot of them to Florida as well. Uh, Most of the cruise lines are donating a lot of money as well to the recovery effort. So if you had vacations or cruises planned that were hitting the Bahamas, I'd say I encourage you to, to go. Um those those islands that weren't hit are still very much open for business and they really need our support
0: yeah absolutely we we have uh an article and some pictures on themeparkprofessor.com that we'll link to on the facebook page with some pictures so you can see what the island looks like um a lot of exposed roots, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. the erosion, yeah. and something that never even crossed my mind, but uh, all of the full, a lot of the leaves are brown. Yes, just because that salt water. Yes, I noticed them.
1: that. Yeah, a lot of the, the um, palm trees had a lot of brown palm fronds, and um, not all of it. I have I had previously been on Castaway Key after a hurricane, and it was completely brown. Uh, I didn't notice that this time but you could definitely see it that uh, where the salt water has come up over the plants and then the sun hits it and just burns the, the foliage. And we saw some, we saw some palm trees uprooted. Uh, definitely. You definitely could see that something had come through, but it's very much back open for business. And as soon as we left, they had the beach fixed. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. ready for the next ship.
0: Yeah. One other thing, I don't see the picture on here, but I'll have, I'll have my wife share it on the Facebook page. I thought it was kind of neat when they, uh, they had the earth moving equipment and stuff in there and then to get it out of the way for while you guys were on the island, they put it out on little floating docks and kind Mm -hmm. of floated it out of the water to get out of the way. That was kind of neat to see.
1: And uh, yeah, they, they swapped our, uh, our itinerary. We were originally, we were supposed to visit Castaway first and then have a sea day and they swapped it. Uh, And on our sea day, we dropped off divers who checked the channel and checked the dock and made sure everything was safe and gave us the all clear so we that evening we got the official word that we would be visiting castaway and we got to have a day there and it's beautiful as ever
0: yeah of course absolutely and you know just like everything else down there they'll they'll recover yep. fully and
1: yeah and we'll keep visiting and keep giving them and giving them our money to help them do that
0: Absolutely, sounds good. Well, I'm glad you guys got to see that. And yeah, it, I was too. We were relieved.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of first timers who really wanted to oh, have yeah, that right. experience. Yeah. All
0: right, sounds good. So, what what do you have for me? In the well, news? moving
1: away from the theme parks a little bit, um, Northern Lights trips are on a lot of people's bucket lists, and I came across this new experience that's starting next year, and it's a new like I'm not sure whether you could call this a hotel. Um, they're called North Pole Igloos, and their founder is billing them as the northernmost hotel on the face of the planet. And basically, it's glamping at the North Pole and getting as close to the northern lights as possible. It, the package includes two nights in Norway and then flights from Norway up to the North Pole, one night in an igloo on the North Pole, Chef prepared meals, security, and an Arctic wilderness guide. But there is a catch. Uh The cost (laughs) is over $100,000 per person. Wow. Per person.
0: I guess it takes a lot to get all those people and all that stuff up there just so you can look at some green lights in the sky.
1: And the photos are pretty incredible. The igloos are all glass. Uh So you have 360 degree views from your igloo, and it's a very short window of time that they're actually going to be operating, which may also be a part of the issue with cost. It's only safe to travel to the North Pole for a short winter window of time. So basically, they'll only be there in the month of April. Oh, okay. And it's super, they look super, super luxurious. Uh, The remainder of the year, they're going to take the igloos down to Lapland, Finland, and it'll be about half the price about fifty (laughs) three thousand dollars (laughs) yep
0: so get your igloo trip on clearance is what you're saying
1: exactly you may not see be as close to the northern lights or be at the north pole but it's much more cost effective
0: (laughs) yeah and you get to see the reindeer before they're all gone exactly right oh, that was a doubter i'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> wah,
0: wah. Yeah. yes it's
1: getting warmer and warmer every year so maybe maybe they'll be able to keep it open for longer i don't know don't like to think about that Exactly. it looks really amazing so if you have a couple of extra hundred thousand dollars laying around you really want to see the northern lights check it out
0: and a couple extra parkas
1: yes (laughs) but you'll have your own chef so there's that (laughs)
0: there's a trade-off all right i've got uh got this quick story it almost falls more into packing tips um uh how to pack smarter according to this is an interesting trio um giving us advice here richard branson barack uh, obama and chrissy Teigen. oh wow uh, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: not what i was expecting you to say at all uh
0: yeah so um chrissy Teigen says uh plan specific outfits and them all together that way you're not just throwing a bunch of random skirts that and is shirts a really and good
1: advice. i do that
0: um, Barack Obama says to help him travel lighter, he has started going almost the way of Steve Jobs and having. Uh,
1: Wearing the same of, thing every day. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, he might have six white shirts and six pairs of pants with him, but, you know, at least he doesn't have to think about what he's packing. To mm-hmm. Make it a little okay. bit easier there. But Richard Branson takes that to the extreme. He says the way he travels light is you pack one pair of jeans and you're good to go.
1: That's <laughs> one way of doing it.
0: Well, maybe it's a guy thing, but I totally get the whole, you know, pants aren't dirty after wearing them once.
1: Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> you got I at least It depends on how long your trip is.
0: Oh, you can get a solid 2 weeks out of a pair of jeans if you're careful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it also depends where you're traveling, too.
0: True. It's just some quick ideas for how to maybe if you're trying to fit Everything you need into your carry-on or something. Some ways to pare down your your packing.
1: Pair of jeans, black turtleneck, Steve Jobs, done.
0: There you go. <laughs> Save that brain power for something else.
1: Absolutely. Well, my next story is a little bit of a public service announcement that I unfortunately had uh, some personal experience recently. And the headline is that drinking non-bottled water on an airplane is not recommended. <laughs> yes, that includes coffee and tea. According to a study just completed on and released on Tuesday by the New York City Food Policy Center at Hunter College, they studied 11 uh, main large airlines and 12 smaller regional airlines, based all based in the U.S., and developed a ranking about their water quality, onboard water quality on a 5-point scale, and anything 3 or higher indicates relatively clean drinking water. Of the the airlines that they studied, only 2 <laughs> got a 3 or higher, Alaska Airlines and Allegiant Airlines. Ooh. All of the rest of them were below 3, meaning that their water onboard is not great quality. And JetBlue was a huge offender. They ranked at about a one. And they tested all of the main airlines that they studied, tested positive for E. coli and coliform bacteria. Mm, We know what that means. Yes. (laughs) I had a recent experience when I was traveling out to Disneyland over the summer, and it's the only thing I can figure out because it's I got a terrible, terrible case of food poisoning. And the only thing that I ate that was different than the people I was traveling with was that I had coffee on the Mm. plane that morning. So I'm pretty sure (laughs) that's where it came from. Great. So they recommend not to drink coffee or tea or have any water that was that you don't see came from a bottle. A and bottle. usually when they're coming down with the drink cart and you ask for water, you can see that they're using bottled water for that, but they are definitely not using bottled water in their coffee and in the hot water for the tea and it's not hot enough to kill whatever is in that tank. A- apparently the big problem is that they're they're filling those tanks in various different places through with various different equipment and you never know and the airlines just don't know where what this the quality standards are when they're filling up at different airports and who knows how long it's been sitting in that tank or when the tank was last cleaned. So just stick to stick to bottled water or a nice Coke.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Get your caffeine from an alternate source.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) It's a little scary that the major airlines can't do a better job of that. All than,
1: the major airlines. It's insane.
0: Yeah. They're too busy fighting with their mechanics or something.
1: I guess so. I I have now have sworn off coffee on airplanes forever. I will not do it again unless I'm carrying on my own Starbucks that I got in the terminal <laughs> before <laughs> I got on the plane.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we both have some stories about um, – people trying to pull off some pull yes. off a quick one going through TSA um I'm going to go first with mine so uh this one happened at Indira Gandhi International Airport in New Delhi uh last week um and a security agent stopped a man who was trying to sneak through uh the security line by dressing up as a man 50 years older than what he was
1: Uh, he had a stolen passport right (laughs)
0: that's right yeah he was trying to uh come to america for a job allegedly he uh his fake passport was for a man uh, 81 years old so uh Jayesh Patel was stopped by airport officials for trying to go through the line with a fake passport and a very bad disguise. He's 32 (laughs) years old. Um, He was was wearing uh, traditional-looking clothes. He had dyed his hair and beard white and came in. uh, He was riding in a wheelchair to try to make the security agents think that he was 81 years old. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't do anything about his face, which was... Totally free of wrinkles. Yeah. Uh, um. And and he also had some really bad fake some prescription glasses. I
1: saw the it. photos and it's it's so hilarious. <laughs> it
0: looks it's, like it's cartoonish. Bad
1: Halloween costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're trying to sneak by on a stolen passport, you might want to find one closer to your age.
0: Yeah. Maybe? That's that's generally helpful. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can pull off a couple years, but not 50.
1: Well, this headline that I saw of someone trying to fool airport security was man caught attempting to smuggle dozens of tarantulas in his <laughs> luggage. Oh, no. <laughs> he told authorities that he's just passionate about insects. <laughs> this is nuts. It was a Polish man who was arrested at an airport in French Guiana in late August this year after trying to smuggle, this is the part that's insane, nearly a hundred tarantulas.
0: Where he do you had, even get that many tarantulas? I
1: have no idea. He had 38 Adult full size tarantulas. And I mean, uh-huh. some of them, they, some of the species of tarantulas can get like the size of a dinner. Right. Yeah. He had about 50 adolescent spiders and then dozens and dozens of egg filled cocoons. <laughs> when he was stopped by airport security. He was trying to board a plane to Paris. Mm-hmm. And he told authorities he's just so passionate about insects that he was bringing them back with him. Like, and as weird as it sounds, apparently it is not technically against the law to transport live tarantulas on an air, which freaks me <laughs> out. <laughs> However, it is really heavily regulated.
0: And I should hope so.
1: Thank goodness. I mean, if you've seen snakes on a plane, I don't want to. I don't want to imagine those spiders. Getting out. So I mean he it's not like he put him in his check bag. He was trying to take him right onto the cabin.
0: Well, here's my question. I'm I'm curious about the logistics, right? So right? inside his carry-on bag, did he have smaller individual containers these spiders were in? Or did you just shove them all in there? I mean, so when they find that. them, do they unzip it and they come oh. flooding? <laughs> oh, can you imagine? I like to imagine that. Yeah. Oh.
1: That is crazy. The article goes on to talk about some of the other weird stuff that people have tried to smuggle. In 2018, a man was arrested at JFK in New York City for attempting to smuggle 70 live finches. He tried. Here's the craziest part. He tried to get the birds through security by delicately placing them inside foam hair rollers. He had curlers. (laughs) And he stuffed the poor little birds into. I, I mean, in January of 2019, another man attempted to smuggle four tiny kittens in his pants. <laughs>
0: the jokes caught. just write themselves yes. on that one.
1: <laughs> he was caught when Border Patrol agents noticed an odd bulge. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to go there.
0: No, uh, I wouldn't.
1: 2017 another man attempted to smuggle 330 endangered tortoises through a Malaysian <laughs> airport he I guess had them in crates like 330 tortoises
0: the tortoises aren't I, I mean, guess he was just, just trying to them
1: like they must have been babies I can't imagine Other attempts include hiding gerbils in perfume bottles, snakes (laughs) stuffed in socks, monkeys in women's shirts, and more. Uh, Perhaps the most difficult to believe is this last one they mentioned, which involved a woman attempting to smuggle a baby rhesus macaque, and it actually worked. Uh She hid it under her daughter's clothes as if she was pregnant. (laughs) The pair made it past security. However, they were arrested after bringing their baby to a mall in Spokane, Washington, where (laughs) they were bragging about how they got it into the country. (laughs) And that's how they got caught.
0: Well, that's going to (laughs) stand out once here. yeah that far inland
1: i can imagine that that uh, airport security officers have the craziest stories
0: oh yeah have you ever seen the um have you ever looked at the tsa's instagram account
1: no oh is it it's, good
0: they just post pictures of the weird stuff they've confiscated <laughs>
1: i am gonna have to subscribe to that that sounds yeah. Amazing. or
0: at least they used to i haven't looked at it recently but yeah they, it was it's pretty funny
1: I'm going to go and check that out immediately.
0: <laughs> I know that they have archives somewhere on their website or something. You can see oh collections of all that weird I'd stuff. I'd
1: love to see that.
0: Well, the other question I have about this is, like, I get maybe the tarantulas and the monkeys and the tortoises, but why are the people risking it all to smuggle in something like finches that you can like get at PetSmart or,
1: or or kittens? <laughs> 70 of them. Yeah, the kittens one is is particularly weird because you can find that need homes like
0: in a cardboard box on the street corner that's <laughs> yeah. exactly all right well um on this show we're all big fans of the wizarding world of harry potter yes um how would you like the opportunity to spend the night in hagrid's hut
1: <gasps> what
0: yeah uh not just one night but entire week
1: <gasps> is this for real
0: yeah this is an opportunity uh it's an available in north yorkshire in the uk and right now there's a contest that you can enter um where you can win uh, a severely reduced rate of one pound that's one dollar uh for seven nights with up to five of your friends at uh, a recreated gamekeeper's cottage in yorkshire um a single night in the hut usually costs uh 365 dollars
1: hey that still sounds like a bargain
0: yeah, no kidding. Especially uh, this this prize. It's not just you stay in this in in Hagrid's house, but you also um, you get a ride on a steam train from Ooh. from the actual station that the Hogwarts Express stops at in the films.
1: King's uh, Cross. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I I don't know if it's actually King's Cross in the films. It does not specify where it comes to, but maybe that's because they assume that Americans reading the story just don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway so you get you get a steam train ride uh a magical uh hamper as those quaint brits call it uh, full of christmas presents uh delivered by santa an enchanted afternoon tea while being entertained by harry potter himself performing magic for you um that comes nice. courtesy of Luke Williams, who is the UK's best Harry Potter lookalike, and usually works at Alnwick Castle in Northumberland, where he performs as Harry year-round.
1: Hey, that sounds like a fun trip already.
0: Yeah, and they will also (laughs) get a chance to meet Hedwig while you're there. (gasps) That's
1: so cool.
0: Yeah, it's really cool, and this, this cottage looks incredible. From the pictures that they have of it, the outside is the exact shape of Uh, Hagrid's cottage it looks like it but the inside is a lot nicer than Hagrid would keep it of course Um,
1: (laughs) it probably has fewer weird creatures we just talked about giant spiders (laughs) Hagrid had a a love of large spiders
0: yeah no spiders but there is a giant copper clawfoot tub that oh looks like it's rather nice for soaking in so i will make sure to put a link up for this contest yeah we on should encourage our
1: listeners to enter that contest and then take me with
0: absolutely yes please you can you you get five <laughs> friends so if you need a fifth contact heather
1: so have you ever thought about running a marathon
0: I can
1: honestly say no. Me <laughs> It is definitely not on my bucket list. I know it's on a lot of people's, though. However, if I had to run a marathon, I think I found the one that I would choose. It's a marathon in Bordeaux, France. It's called the Marathon du Médoc. And what makes this interesting is that it's not just a marathon. It's also a wine tasting. <laughs> Not just wine, actually. So, all along the twenty-six point two mile course, there are twenty-three different stops where you twenty-three different <laughs> stops where you get to taste different wines from the region, paired with things like y- uh, cheese, oysters, ice cream, and at least one <laughs> break. Yes, at least one break for steak. (laughs) It says the, the route winds through vineyards in the Bordeaux region past the beautiful Chateau, and all along the way it allows runners time to stop to sample cheese, ice cream, oysters, and various other delicacies as they race through the 26 miles.
0: So nobody's going to be setting any qualifying times for the Boston There's Marathon no on this way. one.
1: No <laughs> way, absolutely not. It's this is encouraging. It says despite the extreme conditions, no contestant has ever died.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Great. <laughs> right. Now that I think about it, if I get to stop once every mile or so for a, for a quit for a snack, I might be able to run a marathon.
1: Run a mile, stop and have a break, a glass of wine, a snack. It does say that every participant has to submit medical certification that they're in good health in order to compete. And it generally takes about six and a half hours for participants uh, because they're encouraged to take their time. And all of the athletes are required to show up in costume. It does not specify what kind of costume. (laughs) One journalist for The Guardian who covers the race and participated one year did say that there is an awful lot of projectile vomiting that happens
0: on the (laughs) course. (laughs) I feel like just running a regular marathon, I'd probably be projectile vomiting anyway, so at least it's an excuse.
1: (laughs) That's if you pair running 26 miles with a lot of drinking and a lot of eating, that's Not surprising. The race takes place every September. So this year's race is full. Uh, There is a waiting list, but uh, you can already sign up for next year and start training with a bottle of wine.
0: (laughs) I mean, I've heard of, they do like, um, I think there's a Cider 5K, Hard Cider 5K here in Grand Rapids. And I'm sure that being in Beer City, USA, we've got a similar beer one, but they're short races a, a, a marathon, marathon. <laughs> with steak and ice cream and oysters and all that wine that just sounds i mean
1: i guess they 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 throw the food in there too so that you're not just ingesting a bunch of alcohol and then running but man i can't imagine what that must be like running with a full stomach
0: the only and thing i, I want to do after i eat a steak is take a nap so. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. i'll have to start training for that one
1: Yeah, I mean the training program sounds pretty appealing to me. Run a little bit, stop and have a glass of wine. Run a little bit, stop and have some ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) This could be a good way
0: to get a lot of people into fitness.
1: (laughs) I love the French.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got another one more story uh, about movies and. People in fancy costume, I guess. Um, pack your petticoats and monocles and get ready for the adventure of a lifetime, says this article. Um, so the Downton Abbey movie, the long-awaited movie, is yes. coming out just a couple of weeks, I think, or uh, one week. Very soon.
1: Very soon, yeah. I cannot wait.
0: Yeah. So I am uh, a Downton
1: to, Abbey fan.
0: <laughs> as are we we fell off a long time ago. We should
1: Oh, you gotta finish.
0: There's so many things to watch. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so, uh, luxury travel service Zicasso has just launched a brand new Downton Abbey themed vacation tour package so that you can travel like a count or countess. Perfectly timed with the premiere of the movie on the 20th. This is a 10-day private movie tour that takes guests into the world of the Edwardian area aristocracy. Uh, you'll be able to visit Highclere Castle, the real-life, uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, where the movie and the TV series were filmed, as well as stops in London, Windsor, and ch- tiny charming villages across the countryside. Um, but what really makes this pretty cool is some of the immersive-type experiences uh, that you get to take part of to make you feel like you're part of the world of the show. Um at Highclere Castle, you'll enjoy a high tea picnic where you'll be waited on hand and foot by the staff of the uh, of the castle. Then when you head to London, you'll have tea at the Ritz, take a cooking class that focuses on Mrs. Patmore's recipes, oh, and yes. then dance the night away at a retro jazz club.
1: This um, sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, and then you head to Windsor where you get to uh, take a private skeet shooting lesson. at windsor castle uh yeah Uh, at windsor and then you get a hot air balloon ride over the cotswolds which is basically the hamptons of britain
1: i am in this sounds incredible
0: yeah it does so um the tour like i said it's a it's a 10-day tour it runs about four thousand dollars a person but that includes nine nights hotel accommodations seven tours five uh includes the private uh um, buses and transfers uh 12 meals are included and other private guided tours and admissions to probably museums events
1: totally stuff worth like it. that
0: so uh, it sounds pretty pretty amazing if you're a fan of the series
1: and i i really i loved out Abby. <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat it sounds amazing
0: yeah it does and actually when you think about it you know the story kind of makes it sound like it's really expensive but for all that experience and for for 10 days that's actually Yeah,
1: amazing. actually that's a really it's a really good price for the amount of private experiences and the level of service it sounds amazing.
0: I don't know how it doesn't say in the article how long they'll be running that experience but I'm sure that they'll be taking advantage of the buzz around the movie for Oh a while.
1: yeah, that show is incredibly popular and right now with a movie coming out there's there, there's already a lot of people that flock to Highclere Castle to see the the real location where it was filmed
0: yeah that's uh that's kind of a trendy thing coming up which i think we're going to be talking about in a minute but first let's have a word from our sponsor when it comes to planning your next adventure knowledge and preparation are always key That's why a call to your Key to the World Travel vacation planner should always be at the top of your to-do list when you feel the urge to venture forth and explore the world. Key to the World Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner specializing in travel to Disney theme parks around the world, as well as Disney Cruise Line, Alani, and Adventures by Disney. With over 450 travel advisors who share a deep love for Disney destinations, Key to the World Travel has a wealth of knowledge and passion to help you experience all the magic with none of the work. Wherever your wanderlust is driving you, Key to the World Travel is a full-service travel agency with the expertise to get you where you want to go. So whether you're headed to Universal Studios, Hawaii, Europe, or somewhere a little farther off the beaten track, your first step should always be to visit www.keytotheworldtravel.com for a no-obligation quote. Their expert travel planners are standing by to help you with every detail of your perfect vacation. That's www.keytotheworldtravel.com or at Key to the World Travel on Facebook. Key to the World Travel, your key to a magical vacation. All right, let's set the scene back in from our commercial break. So we've ducked into a dockside dive to escape the weather. The company in here isn't much better than it was outside, but we find a table in the back corner, far enough away from the dock hands letting off steam and the second-rate piano player so that we can have a conversation. So you've been hanging out with travel insiders all week, I begin. Tell me about some more trends I should be looking out for in the next year.
1: Well, we just talked a little bit about one of the trends that's actually been around for a couple of years now, but is growing in popularity. And that's traveling to places where your favorite movies or TV series are filmed. We talked about Highclere Castle for Downton Abbey fans. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of people who travel to area in Hawaii where Lost was filmed. Lord of the Rings, you definitely have to put New
0: Zealand
1: oh, on your bucket on list. That's on my bucket list. It is That'd
0: be great.
1: very, very much on mine. Actually, Peter Jackson took those sets and you can go and visit Hobbit. Huh? Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. I I have got to do that sometime. Uh, Game of Thrones fans have increased travel to Croatia, Iceland, and Northern Ireland where they filmed that series. There was an interesting one that I came across this week that I'm – I don't know how I feel about this one. You tell me. So people are apparently now flocking to visit Chernobyl. Because of the recent HBO winning series. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know whether I would do that. They say that it's fairly safe. The 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 radiation levels there are still, I mean, and are still going to be horrific for Mm -hmm. hundreds of years. But it they say that it's safe to visit as long as you don't touch. Anything. anything. You cannot touch anything. Don't sit down on the ground. Don't touch plants, structures. Don't put your belongings on the ground. Don't take anything home. You're basically going in, you have to wear long sleeves, long pants, closed-toed shoes and you're going in to see everything and then getting back out.
0: Yeah, I've seen some pictures and it's I mean, it's obviously it's haunting. Um It really is. Yeah, it's like exploded after the the series that just happened, but it's actually been um for maybe for a while now. It's been kind of slowly building. It's the dark tourism trade. I don't know if that's something we even want to talk about at some point, but it's one of those places where people have a weird fascination with this terrible thing and have been And going the images in
1: there. that the, the that if you if you take it just, you know, google it, the images are pretty haunting everything looks like people just dropped everything and left which i mean basically is what happened
0: yeah
1: um every it says every tour has to pass through uh, several scanning zones to measure for exposure Mm -hmm. and it says that the the total radiation dose that you get uh, from just a few hours there is about what you would get from a 10-hour trip on a transatlantic flight, so they're obviously they're not taking you over to see the the sarcophagus over to the plant right. where where it's still really really dangerous to go over there. The, it's a one day tour that departs from the capital city of Kiev, and it ranges from ninety to a hundred dollars to go and see it. And I guess one of the most popular spots. Is the abandoned amusement park,
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, the
1: pictures of that are just crazy. the The Ferris wheel is still there, and yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a that's definitely a thing that some people like in in the the dark tourism trade that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, that's always. Uh, I think I would go and visit it as long as I can go during the day. Only there was a horror movie based around this premise a few years ago that's pretty terrifying.
1: Well, and I'm not sure there's much, there's really not much living anywhere around that, that area at all anymore. The The wildlife has been decimated and...
0: Yeah, no, just... there was something in the news recently about, oh, was it fish or... There's there something, I don't remember, there was something weird about they were starting to sell stuff that was from animals from that area or that had passed Ugh. through that area As kind of like a novelty gimmick i don't remember
1: yikes no thank you (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah no the new story that dan is trying so hard to remember is about isotope vodka a newly released vodka made from grain farmed in the zone around the chernobyl nuclear power plant in ukraine a British team of scientists grew rye in the exclusion zone around the former power station and distilled it with uncontaminated mineral water that also came from that area. While the grain was slightly contaminated, the distilling process reportedly cleaned that up. They've got the receipts to prove it. After the vodka was distilled, lab testing did not detect any abnormal levels of radioactivity in the vodka. The only thing nuclear about it is the name Atomic now being sold in at least one london bar and the team that made the vodka are planning to give profits to the communities affected by chernobyl thank you to the website eater.com for jogging my memory and now back to our regularly scheduled
1: so is there any particular movie or series that that, a a place that you would want to see based on a favorite movie or tv show
0: well, there's two that spring to mind. I know that you can um is it the Tunisian desert and you can it's Tatooine and you can there's yes. still some remnants of uh filming from that. From Star would, Wars, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go see, see that out there. And then um know that one of our agents seems like it's gone multiple times this past summer to see the Harry Potter in London. Mm-hmm the actual set tour and that looks the
1: set tour looks incredible there's a whole Harry Potter tour you can do in London and the surrounding area I would love to do that one
0: yeah you go into the the dining hall the great hall at Hogwarts yes and
1: And every Christmas they have a Christmas banquet in there and I would kill to get to do that one it looks amazing
0: that makes me very hungry thinking about all that wizarding food (laughs) yes
1: well, this other trend, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, too, when we were talking about the glamping at the North Pole. And it's that a new survey says that camping is more popular than ever, thanks in part to millennials and Gen Xers finally getting in on the trend. And I was a little the shocked trend? by this one that... That camping is the hot new trend uh, among millennials. I, I I guess I had a you know they they tend to be thought of as people who really like to take take time for self care and, and into luxury and that sort of thing. And that definitely is popular among that generation.
0: Yeah, um, it's
1: cheaper. But- it is cheaper, and, and they're getting in on, on the, the camping lifestyle. Glamping is a part of that.
0: I wonder if the, that also includes the van life thing. Yeah, that's a in good their point. Because that's pretty that's, trendy right now.
1: That is very trendy, taking a van and turning it into... A personal recreational vehicle. My sister is actually doing that right now with her <laughs> wife. They're yep. converting a van into a camper. Uh, this this report noticed that uh, noted that there have been about seven million additional camping households in the United States t- since 2014, and 77 percent of those new households that are getting into camping are from either uh, the millennial or Generation X. Group and that the camping industry has had some really impressive growth in the last five years. Um, about one third of all people who camp will describe themselves as lifelong campers. I have to admit that I I feel like I've kind of outgrown that particular. <laughs> Trent, I used uh-huh. to be very much a camper. Um, I've been on trips where you know we we backpacked in the sand dunes of Lake Michigan and carried we carried everything we needed on our back, and we used to have a camper. And it's just not. I'm. I think I'm. I'm past <laughs> that point in my life. But you you
0: you've done that. Been there.
1: I'm done with the camping. Yeah, I do love a nice luxury cabin. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I guess that could be called glam one of my favorite one of my favorite resorts at walt disney world is the wilderness lodge that may be the closest that i get to camping anymore
0: <laughs> that's fine yeah i knowing that i'm excited uh you know kind of in my 20s kind of didn't camp as much as i used to and i'm excited now that my son is getting into cub scouts and stuff It mm-hmm. yep. gives me an excuse to get out all the camping gear and do that more and
1: I still do love a good campfire and making s'mores, and but I don't really miss trying to cook breakfast over a fire in the morning.
0: <laughs> See, I, <laughs> we've done that. That's if I could do that every morning, I think I'd be pretty happy. Well, but there you go. I keep on telling my wife that we're we're going to be we're moving off the grid, going to some holler down in Appalachia, and living that life. So there you go.
1: <laughs> You're going to be on trend with that Ooh, one. That doesn't
0: happen very often.
1: <laughs> well, another trend that's uh, this one's a little more uh, my style now, and that's luxury train travel. I've actually Ooh. never done it. But I really have always wanted to. I've always wanted to do the Orient Express. Yeah, like
0: that right, fancy.
1: Yeah, do, that, do they
0: do, do they do a murder mystery on the Orient Express?
1: I have got to find out because that's <laughs> if they don't, they they're should. seriously missing out.
0: Trademark, trademark, trademark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is still a thing, but there are luxury train lines all over the world these days, and and it's described as a kind of similar to cruising although it's a, your accommodation are a little bit smaller even than a cruise cabin um but you can you you know you're going right through beautiful scenery and uh the the one of uh, some some of the famous ones are the the Orient Express still runs um there's a one that runs from London to Venice and it stops in Paris and Verona on the way i mean <laughs> uh, I've got to do that. Yeah. And there, the whole thing is decked out in Art Deco the way that it. If you've Mm -hmm. seen movies about the Orient Express, uh, the food that they serve you is sourced from all the places you're going. So you're going to have lobsters from Brittany and vegetables from Provence and wine from... uh, It sounds absolutely amazing. (laughs) Uh, I I would love to try it. There's um, the Belmont Royal Scotsman runs through Scotland. Another thing on my bucket list is to visit Scotland. So this sounds... Right up my alley, and one of the things that's interesting about this one is that they have a spa on board, so you can get a facial or a massage. Where do they fit it? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I can't imagine.
0: I've been on I've been on some Amtrak trains, and they're not they're not spacious. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> the The closest I've come is uh, taking the Eurostar from. London to to Paris, mm-hmm. and we've done first class on that, but it's not really what I would call a luxury train travel. I mean, looking at these, at the photos from some of these that are truly luxury lines, it's like a five-star hotel on a train. Wow.
0: I can't even imagine what that, what that looks like, but take you back to a different time, for sure. Absolutely.
1: And it's been growing in popularity over the last several years, and so uh, they're popping up all over the world. There's one in South Africa. That's a three-day excursion that takes you through the grasslands of Highveld to the desert of Great Karoo. I mean, I can't imagine what you see out the window
0: Oh, on, yeah.
1: a, tr- on a train ride through South Africa. Can you imagine that?
0: Just insane. Yeah, a luxury safari experience. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's one in Peru called the Belmont Andean Explorer.
0: Through the mountains?
1: Through the Andes, Yeah. yeah. Jeez. And then there's the Maharajas Express through India, which it says is consistently ranked among the most luxurious vacations that you can have, and it's on a train. Every single car has its own butler and every stop along the way you get greeted with fresh flowers and a welcome ceremony and they're famous for their 8-day heritage of India tour that stops in Mumbai, Udaipur, Jodhpur, Jaipur, Agra and Delhi. I have a little hes- I've always been a little hesitant to visit that part of the world. It's um it's very hot, it's very crowded, but yeah. this seems like this this would be the way to go yeah. <laughs> baby. and
0: i have a hard time imagining like i've never experienced that level of luxury in a hotel that doesn't move anywhere
1: right I, And that's on a yeah.
0: train like that that sounds incredible uh i don't know if there's any that operate in the u.s right now
1: there are actually um and in, in north america there's uh there are two that that operate in Canada. Um, uh, the, the there's what the one that uh, comes to mind is called the Canadian and it goes from um, Toronto to Vancouver so you're really seeing the entire, country and it goes through the canadian rockies yeah if you go in the winter time you can see all the the beautiful snow and you're nice and warm on your train so in the u.s there's a company called uncommon journeys that does uh, luxury train travel across the united states that's a great one to check out they have some stuff um in the eastern part of the US and the and also along the west coast and then they also do some in Canada. Some stuff through the Midwest might be kind of a neat thing to take a little train journey through the Midwest, see the sights throughout through the United States. Yeah, it's a really it's a really great different way to see more of of the world. Uh, I'm totally on board. I think that's going to be on my bucket list to do some luxury train travel. <laughs>
0: That sounds pretty
1: awesome. Um, Some other interesting travel trends to watch for. uh, One that I thought was kind of interesting is something that they're calling second city travel. And basically the idea is that instead of visiting the... the the main tourist city that that would come to mind, for example, Paris. Instead of going to Paris, that you pick somewhere that's near Paris and go and experience that. So, for example, instead of going and spending a weekend in Chicago, maybe you would go and visit Evanston, Illinois. Gary, Indiana. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Maybe not Gary, Indiana. I don't think anybody wants to visit there.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure that that would be the one that I would – (laughs)
0: but, <laughs> no offensive to Gary, Indiana. Exactly,
1: exactly. Lots of great industry in Gary, but it's kind of, it's not necessarily at the top of my list of places to see. But I guess the sort of the idea is that a lot of the really famous places are are starting to experience over tourism Venice comes to mind Venice is having a lot of issues with especially with so much traffic from cruise ships and they're they're starting to experience some, um, not great things happening to their infrastructure and their their architecture and their buildings because of over-tourism.
0: Yeah, a lot of them are putting uh, regulations in place to yes. kind of limit access yeah. to
1: Limit the number of tourists that can visit on any given day, yeah. So there's a, a movement that's starting to pick up to see those same types of places by visiting a second city that's near, not the city itself. I thought that was really interesting uh there's a whole way of of getting to some of those same places and experiencing the culture without getting into the super crowded touristy areas
0: yeah you might get a little bit more authentic view of everyday life as opposed to just the greatest postcard hits
1: Right. That's true. Um, Underground supper clubs are another thing that are becoming really popular and popping up all over the place. Those are, I've seen some really cool, um, it's kind of like a speakeasy, right? Uh, A friend of mine has one that he loves to go to where you go into this, I guess it looks like a hot dog shop, Mm -hmm. but you go to the back of it and you, I think you pick up a phone or you knock on a door or something like that. And they take you through to the main attraction, which is the really cool speakeasy type uh, bar that's hidden
0: yeah yeah i just saw a story about a place that's like a bar with uh like a big lot of pinball machines that you have to like go behind a hidden door that's in like a it's hidden behind like a industrial dishwasher or a washing (laughs) machine or something like that that's cool
1: yeah, yeah that sounds neat even walt disney world has gotten in on it a little bit in disney springs they one of their new restaurants maria and enzo's oh, yeah. is upstairs above what is called enzo's Hideaway, and it's a great little spot it's not i wouldn't really call it hidden exactly <laughs> because it's kind <laughs> of a big neon sign leading you down to it uh, but it is down below maria and enzo's and you go in and it kind of looks like you're in an underground hidden speakeasy type place and actually it's
0: like a tunnel right
1: yeah yeah you go through a tunnel in it opens out into this beautiful restaurant and it's um it's actually connected to the edison
0: yeah right by the bathroom stuff yeah
1: if you go if you need to go to the bathroom at enzo's hideaway you have to go out through a a little Looks like a little wine cellar and you end up in the bathrooms over at the Edison. Their menu is fantastic. The food is really good. Great uh, drink menu and it's a, it's a great spot to check out if you're at Disney Springs and you want a, a little bit of the experience of the Underground Supper Club. <laughs> <Trends>. <laughs> yeah uh that yeah those are really the trends that i had to talk about this week to watch for some really interesting stuff whether you're heading out to catch the northern lights or you'll want to grab a drink in a speakeasy there's a lot of fun stuff out there
0: yeah some great ideas to maybe inspire you to try something a little bit new go somewhere other than the beach or the mountains and or at least see it from a different yeah. angle
1: find an adventure
0: that's right and go and take it So thanks for joining us again this week. We really appreciate you listening. How about you make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcatcher is so you don't miss us at all. Make sure that you uh, tell a friend or two to come listen to us also. I'm sure you know somebody who's interested in travel and adventure. Or maybe just likes our particular weird nerdy kind of humor and would enjoy listening. So if you could pass them our way, we'd appreciate that a lot. We will talk to you again next week. We'll have the whole crew back again, and we're going to play a game of unpopular Disney opinions.
1: I'm super excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: It's going to be fun. Things might get a little heated, but it'll be, it'll be a fun time. So until next week, it's time to close this week's gathering of the Gold Key Adventurers Society. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for tuning in. If you want to become a member of our band of explorers, all you have to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and review, won't you? We'll be eternally grateful. It helps other adventurers find us and helps us grow our show.